good mentors are attuned to seeing other people's needs and vulnerabilities quickly and aspirations and often barriers to those aspirations and then working out very quickly what to do. And uh, the one virtue that links uh, all mentors, regardless of whether you're an opening one, is good emotional intelligence. Henry sat at the front of the class and answered questions diligently. And I sat at the back of the class and more often than not fell asleep. He drove a car into work. I didn't pass my driving test until I was 26. You get the idea. So the idea of starting a business with Hen, age 16, was was probably foreign, but so it happened. And we've enjoyed every second since. I often talk about being a kind of... um you know, parachuting into enemy territory, needing to to like read the situation really quickly behind enemy lines. That part of it just fascinates me. And being someone who can be impartial to a family and support them in in many different ways beyond beyond the curriculum. So I guess it was just a natural comfort and an enjoyment of that process and and then trying to look to to make more of that. We have a great mentor ourselves called Sharath Jeevan, who's um a sort of seminal um, front runner in the theory behind intrinsic motivation. He's actually written a good book called Intrinsic, which um, your listeners should check out. And his theory is on on keeping kids motivated is based on this idea of autonomy, um, and that's one of three pillars that he that he thinks motivates kids. So a lot of the the resources and the work we've done have have been built out on that that principle, the idea of ownership, controlling your narrative, so to speak. What has been the hardest part of running Opperden? You want to take this one? Oh, there we go. He's trying to palm me that one sideways. <laughs> and we'll take an ad break there while yeah. you can. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Qualified Tutor Podcast, the podcast that brings you the latest in the world of tutoring, edtech, and education. And, hopefully, inspires in you the big change that each and every one of us is capable of. Qualified Tutor is an industry-leading tutor training organisation and online tutoring community for thousands of tutors around the world. This podcast is the voice of this community, where we aim to hear from tutors, teachers, entrepreneurs, coaches, business experts, students, tutorpreneurs and more from the world of tutoring about what inspires them every day, how they can help tutors like you, and what they've learnt about tutoring along the way. The question is, what will you learn today? Hello and welcome to the 126th episode of the Qualified Tutor Podcast. My name is uh, Ludo Miller, the host of this podcast. Welcome back to regular listeners. Welcome to any of you for whom uh, this is your first time listening to the Qualified Tutor podcast. And of course, uh, a huge welcome to two uh, good friends and today's guests, Walter Kerr and Henry Faber. Welcome, Walter. Welcome, Henry. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's it's a real pleasure to have you guys on, uh, even 126 episodes into this, this podcast. I've known Walter and Henry much longer than this podcast has been going on. Um, so it's good to have you guys on. Um, as an as introduction for uh, you listeners to Walter and Henry, they are the founders of a 
hugely successful and, and, and very exciting uh, education company called Opperden Education, a multifaceted uh, mentorship business that works with schools and families, puts on fantastic kids camps, uh, head, helps children from uh, lower socioeconomic backgrounds uh, become mentors themselves through their charitable arm uh, and generally pushes forward the uh, agenda for high quality one-on-one uh, -on -one and, and group tuition education in this country. I myself uh, have been uh, very proudly a mentor for Opperden uh, for the past two and a half years since uh, January 2020. It would have been January 2016. Henry, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Henry quite rightly told me when I first emailed him uh, to hold tight for a few years and get back to him once I'd graduated, which I duly did, uh, pulled up the old email and uh, emailed Henry in, in January 2020. So uh, the rest is is history, really. Um, but uh, I hope you listeners get a, a really good sense of, of this duo's uh, infectious energy and vision, really, for education over the next half an hour or so. Um, so welcome, guys. We we regular listeners will know we kick off the podcast with uh, a new segment I introduced, which takes people back to uh, the very early days of their education and their careers. So um, I gather there were a few anecdotes and tales uh, from your school days that you might be happy to share. Henry, can we can we start with you? Yeah, I mean, the, the main thing I can think of is that my housemaster at school would write these very beautiful kind of elegiac letters at the end of each year to try and explain sort of encapsulate who you were as a student and my mum and dad have very proudly kept the last one he wrote for me when I was 18 which said Henry seems very keen to be an actor but I think he's barking up the wrong tree basically he's far more likely to start running something and try and grow a business I can totally see it playing out over the next 10 years and I remember thinking god he doesn't know what he's talking about and we've stayed close friends he's been an advisor to our business and uh, I, I, I need to find a copy of it but it's something that that's been very, um, yeah, very relevant. <laughs> but but both of those things are relevant, are they not? He said there that you would do better as an actor. Is that that's something that you've been living in the last 12 months or so, is it, Henry? It's been a bit of a one-off. I've been scratching an itch for this year, doing a bit of acting, but I have no control over the acting or the company I'm a, a lowly member of. I much <laughs> prefer coming into work and telling Walter what to do. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so your teacher back then was was right to some extent. Then, um, also, is there is is there a particular pattern of of feedback that teachers teachers gave? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the uh, the genesis of our business goes back subliminally anyway to when we were about nine. We played on the cricket pitch at rival uh, junior schools, and then went to the same secondary school. And um, Henry sat at the front of the class and answered questions diligently. And I sat at the back of the class and more often than not fell asleep. He drove a car into work. I didn't pass my driving test until I was 26. You get the idea. So the idea of starting a business with Hen age 16 was, was probably foreign, but so it happened and we've enjoyed every second since. Walter's really playing up to the stereotypes because <laughs> there's so much behind that context that's not understood there. Walter's telling me what to do every day with to-do lists and it's far more rigorous. So. <laughs> I yeah. think those things aren't always a reflection of, of life once you move past school. Yeah, how the tables have, have turned. Um, so, I mean, you two obviously were uh, mentors yourselves and, and still do some mentoring work alongside um, the fact that you are obviously business owners as well and, and running an ever-growing team. But I'd love to know that fundamental 
uh, reason for for why you do what you do. And and Walter, what would you say then is is your why as a as a mentor? Well, I don't think I'd have started off it if the value proposition of the business wasn't an inherent part of what I would have benefited from at that age. Um, I would have massively benefited from someone who just walked the walk that I was going to walk. And I mean, you start a business for two reasons. Don't you? One is that you have an issue or not an issue, but you think you think there's a point of difference to the incumbent of the market. And the second reason is that you're passionate about the program. And the latter seems to me the most vital thing. I was just massively into that support as a kid. So that's, that's my why. Yeah. And, and Henry? Uh, I've got four younger sisters. And I think I always felt kind of naturally at ease hanging around people younger than me. Um, it horrifies me that some of our mentees think I'm an old man now, age 30. <laughs> I still feel very much in tune with what they're going through and just really enjoyed spending time with kids sort of through university and leaving university through home and then through extensions of that with family, friends and so on. And then once I started tutoring and, and sort of working on this in a more formal kind of academic capacity, I just felt that the role I was playing for those families was far more around role modeling and mentorship than it was around academics. I was pretty loose actually on the academics and felt myself always kind of clawing to be up to scratch on, in terms of content and academia. And actually the, the role was far more of a, a delicate kind of peacekeeper. I often talk about being a kind of, um, you know, parachuting into enemy territory, needing to, to like read the situation really quickly behind enemy lines. That part of it just fascinates me and being someone who can be impartial to a family and support them in, in many different ways beyond, beyond the curriculum. So I guess it was just a natural comfort and an enjoyment of that process and, and then trying to look to, to make more of that. So, I mean, I alluded to it there briefly, but still being on the front line to use, continue your, your military analogy, uh, Henry, that's a large part of what you do, isn't it? I mean, you haven't really relinquished that, that part of it totally, have you? No, we're, we try. <laughs> we, we try. No, we have a handful of kids each and it, it has become increasingly difficult the larger the team size. My mum always used to say small kids, small problems, big kids, big problems. It's definitely the same with business. And um, But we, we love spending time doing it because also if we're developing content, you know, stuff around character education, what are we going to be running in schools? How are we changing and developing and training the mentors? You've, got, you've just got to be doing that yourself as well. I went to go and listen to a talk by the founder of Delivery when we first started. He said that he still delivers. And I thought it's a good, good sort of motto to live by. You've got to, you've got to be out on the field trying to work out what these kids are thinking and doing and get on there, get on their level. So yeah, we still love it. And um, it's magic. I really, they'll fire me before I, you know, fire them, so to speak. Like, I'll be told I'm no longer relevant, I'm sure, very, very soon. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually, I mean, I remember one guest on this podcast said that that was their aim as a tutor, was to be, was to be dismissed almost. You know, that was when they knew that they had succeeded in their role, was that the child had got to a point where they could say, I don't need you anymore. Um, it, would be a, it would be a pretty mighty surprise to climb into an Uber and find that the driver was, in fact, the CEO and founder, wouldn't it? But mm. <laughs> it's good to see that across, across um, you know, transferring to education. Um, now, one of anyone who knows Opperden will know that uh, one of your great strengths is in, 
is in uh, mentoring the individual, as it were, rather than than just tutoring the child. Um, more of that long-term, delicate approach that you were just talking about there, Henry. Um, Walter, why why would you say this this approach um, has? Uh, how, why would you say it's worked so well over the past uh, kind of six years or so since you you guys started Opperden? Well, if I go back a little bit, I mean, perhaps I can take you as an example. Um, what are good mentors? I mean, good mentors are attuned to seeing other people's needs and vulnerabilities quickly and aspirations and often barriers to those aspirations and then working out very quickly what to do. And uh, the one virtue that links uh, all mentors, regardless of whether you're an opening one, is good emotional intelligence. And um, so, that, so that, 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 that's the inherent strength of, of a mentor. I think, God, from a business perspective, um there are many i mean i think for all its strengths and i'm dead keen to hear what you think about this point i'm not sure will be entirely popular but we thought rightly or wrongly that tuition suffered from a remedial tag a child had a tutor because they needed it and i always left the the room thinking god i'm not sure they want me here and tutoring has hundreds of good qualities but that was one thing that stuck out so going forward over the last six years the aim has been where possible to inverse that narrative and say well we all need a mentor roger federer ludo miller you know whoever needs a mentor and i think children avoid by that narrative and if you then have a pedagogy behind that then you have something of real substance so um yeah i think i think that that i suppose that narrative shift is just one example of of the approach well that's that is um that's a new way of thinking about it, a way that in which lots of our listeners, I guess, will not have thought of from before. Uh, before, I mean, the the idea that, well, for one, the idea that everyone needs a mentor is a good business case, isn't it? You're suddenly uh, increasing your potential customer base by, you know, however much. But I think that shifts away from the idea that it's that it's only for a certain group of people tutoring and that actually or mentoring and that actually the the way that you can improve working with uh, a student is not by saying I'm here because someone told me to be here it's I'm here because actually we work well together um which is something that maybe schools don't don't always get to benefit from you know often people children go into school because they have to and it's kind of that you know dragging themselves into school each morning rather than than bounding in which a lot of great mentors um kind of produce that I think, um, I mean, uh, you know, we stand on the shoulders of, of people much more successful than us who have helped us initially start the business and then continually provide advice. And those are friends of yours too in the tuition sector. Um, so giving advice seems odd. I would just say, you know, the, the, the promise we make to kids is that the moment they don't enjoy it, we stop. And you put the entire decision-making of that hour's session on the child. And apart from anything, it, 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 it negates any coercion that the parent needs to do but anyway that's just um that's in our sales cycle as it happens so yeah yeah so was this was that an approach that you guys knew you wanted to deliver from the start of Opperden or is that something you've come to to see over the years I actually think it is. I think it's one of the few things that has stayed the same there is a horrific business plan somewhere in a drawer getting dusty um which I will never come back to. But amid all of that was this idea that kids should really enjoy it. And we talk a lot about breaking expectations and changing expectations and wanting kids to feel really proud of the work they were doing with their mentor. 
And the best anecdote I have for that is at our summer camp in July this year, 150 kids in a field near Henley, they were all running around on day one, comparing their mentors to each other. You know, oh, who's your mentor? My mentor's Ludo, my mentor's Walter. Like I had never thought in my wildest dreams that that were a possibility. You know, kids wearing the t-shirt, kids asking to buy stash from our website. You know, it's like that, it's a really trite example that's not educationally really that relevant, but I think it's just an important example of how education can be painted in a really positive way and and the buy-in that you get from that from the parents as well is massive because if the parent sees this is something their kids really committed to you know they're they're far more trusting of the process we we have a great mentor ourselves called sharath jeevan who's um a sort of seminal um front runner in the theory behind intrinsic motivation he's actually written a good book called intrinsic which um your listeners should check out and his theory is on on keeping kids motivated is based on this idea of autonomy um and that's one of three pillars that he that he thinks motivates kids so a lot of the the resources and the work we've done have have been built out on that that principle the idea of ownership controlling your narrative so to speak so yeah it's i mean your your question is started like that and then it's a the world of character education is continually developing research is coming out more and more and that's wonderful uh, researchers like him have been helpful to us for sure it was certainly i mean the initial training i received when i was first a mentor i think delivered by yourself walter was you know from, from the very first minute it was new it was fresh and it was it felt very very relevant this um the way that you approached it from from that motivation side um uh, and the way that you led not not with academics um and actually i i think that feeds very well into the next part of what i wanted to talk about which from the client student to the tutor and, and the mentor and, and the, and the uh, you know, the, those who work in your team, because I think that is something that you guys have done magnificently well is, is pull on both threads of, of the business. I think any business, any education business has to deal with those two sides, how to keep their customer base and how to keep their, their mentor, mentor base. Um, and it would be, it'd be good to know how you guys have managed to kind of imbue that ethos of the the values that you live by and those values that you demand or ask your mentors to use with, with, with students. How have you managed to keep that running through the team that you have, you know, the office team and the mentor team that you've, you've built up? It's a really good question. I think when I think of our full-time office team, without really having tried to find these people, they are inherently very reflective, thoughtful, educationally focused, um, quite youthful, very dynamic and ambitious. And that just self-perpetuates, I think. And you set expectations very high. We've, we sort of steal that freedom and responsibility ethos, which we try and use in the work culture within the office team, give people as much slack as possible, and then just just see what they do with it. And that's worked really well. In terms of the mentor team, I think um, we've tried to make really, really clear that it's mentor first. I want to, to, to sort of caveat what I say by saying that we had some really positive experiences working in the tuition sector before starting Operant. The only reason we have this business is because those were such strong experiences and we have huge respect for the sector more broadly. What I did feel at times was that the larger teams grow, 
the harder it is to feel that you're really part of a mission or a wider vision. And however good the training and the safeguarding and the curriculum and the content you're offered, if you don't feel really loyal to that team, why why would you keep working for that team? And so that's been front of our minds from day one. And it's not always been easy. It's still not, but you've got to try and serve mentors to then serve young people. And Walter talks a lot about this kind of employability accelerator that we've developed, which is the idea that hook mentors in with something that will really benefit their own lives for two years or three years or more. And if they see inherent benefit in that, they're likely to give far more and see much greater reward for it, both financially and and spiritually, let's say, in the in the time that follows. So that then just takes shape in everything beneath it. But I think you lead with with the clear vision, which people buy into, luckily, and get on board with. And the rest is is kind of just processed behind that. I think that's hugely important, what you're saying, Henry. Uh, I, two things that jump out at me really there. That I, first, I love how transferable those skills are. You teach, um, you teach the values of a business to your mentors, and they then, consciously or subconsciously, they then live that with their mentees. So, so it's a kind of really virtuous kind of loop there um, that, that you've built. And secondly, that point about, you know, if you want to change the, the children, then you start with the adults. I think Julia, the founder of Qualified Tutor, talks about that a lot. Definitely taught me that in my first days working with her, that as a school, she was a, a, a change manager at her secondary school. And she said that she, when she realized that you start with the teachers to improve the attitudes and the and the achievements amongst the student body, I think that's that's hugely powerful. And I think other education businesses can look at that and see that as as a place to to aim for if, if they're looking for change in their in their in their in their business. Um, I would say I've I've not really seen it done better than you guys have done at Opperdon. So it is it is a very um, valuable line that you've delivered there, Henry. Um, that's very kind. There is a, a lot of paddling beneath the surface. I can assure you it's not plain sailing on that one. And no two mentors are the same, but we I really enjoy that part of it almost the most, to be honest. I think it's it's, it's great fun. Just on that note, what in what part of the business have you done the most paddling? What, what has been, Good I question. mean, you're six years down the line, what has been the hardest part of running Opperdon? You want to take this one? Oh, there we go. He's trying to palm me that one sideways. <laughs> and we'll take an ad break there while you yeah. go. <laughs> there have been lots of um, lots of tricky bits to it. I would say externally, um, dealing with parent expectations or, or changing their awareness of what they're buying into. It's all very well to read the website and say, oh, mentoring, that sounds great. But um, to see that take shape and to trust that practically that will have outcomes is quite a difficult thing, I think, even for the most liberally minded parent. Mm -hmm. That's complicated. Tracking the progress of that, qualifying its impact. So I would say that's been the biggest hurdle for us to to scaling impact on a one-to-one capacity that we haven't maybe struggled with in schools. And I'm sure we'll maybe come on to schools a bit later, but on that parent side, that would be it for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, that on that point, actually both across B2C and, and B2B, the you're, we're selling a nebulous concept that is often hard to um, measure impact, not impossible, but hard to qualify causation to people or schools that have no time and have high expectation. Um, 
and it's a it's a it's a it's not a, it's, you're not selling a product off the shelf so it's hard to scale so my answer would be comparatively it's easy to start a business and there's lots of kind of noise around it when you start it's much harder to scale it and you run out of favors for one two yeah it's, it's harder to scale so we when we when we when we onboard or when we do founders workshops we talk about three stages we talk about the startup years the brand building years which were glorious a lot of the work around camps in our podcast ourselves and um some of the online work we did was great and then now these are the scale up years and um this this, this is the challenge ahead of us which we're which we're excited yeah. to to yeah. tackle in many ways the paddling really is is kind of just starting if that makes sense how it certainly feels like that like i said big kids big problems and it's um the playoff between wanting to be ambitious and aggressive with growing our business and self-funding that and um and keeping the team lean and you know all those those bits that are not relevant to an education business they're just relevant to any business um that's that's definitely the bit that that's that's trickiest i think people need to hear what you're what you're saying not, not least because this podcast serves uh, as inspiration hopefully for small education business leaders as well as as independent tutors but but also you know, I, I, I don't mean to undermine, but I, I imagine in those early years, you probably didn't have that clarity of vision. You, you couldn't have seen that, that that bit, you know, six years later was going to be the hard bit. You know, when you're in the, the, the hub, hubbub and the buzz of it, you think, you probably naturally think this is going to go on for quite some time, you know, maybe five, 10, 15 years. Um, and it's only once you've reached six, seven years down the line that you can see those stages, even if some mentor tells you very early on that you'll hit a point it's hard to to see that happen or to to envisage that um, i look at i look at big companies we admire in the education space particularly uk based tuition businesses or education consultancies and i think that founder has had to make a decision at some point about what kind of a life they want to lead and what kind of a business they want to keep running and we are at a at a similar stage i think where there's a lot to decide upon and for the two of us it's very much this kind of broad ambitious vision but that comes with all sorts of all sorts of difficulties and stresses to it. So it's, you know, there are different ways to run and grow your business. Not one of them is right, but um, there comes a point where you sort of have to pin your colors to the master bit. And it can be difficult when your co-founder takes 12 months on the act <laughs> out on stage. Okay, very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, sh I'll share my calendar and you can see where I've been. Yeah, the man does not sleep, put it that way. No, I, I'm sure it hasn't meant any less input to, to offer them. Um, Let's. That was a, a brilliant um, little addition there, Henry, because um, you guys are, as you've said before, and as I know by being a, a mentor with you guys, a very ambitious business. Um, and I don't think the the education space should be afraid of words like that. I don't think you know. In the past, it might have been seen that for an education company to want to be ambitious, it would mean that they're trying to you know, extort money from, from the education space, which was, which was often seen as something that wasn't, you know, ethical or wasn't what education should be. But I think uh, you guys have shown that being ambitious can only serves to help more students uh, and more uh, young people as professionals. So with that in mind, let's say you were both given a magic wand uh, that you could wave over the education landscape tomorrow. What, what are some of the ideals that you guys are hoping to see in education over the next five or ten I mean, I, um, I I really strongly hope that Opinion does play a, a role, however small, in shaping that change. 
that is one of our visions or one of our, our, our goals for sure within the next 18 months to however long we continue with this. But um, the majority of our work is around transition, whether it's transition at secondary level, transition through secondary, transition to university, but most often transition at 11 or 13 plus. And I, we're doing some interesting work with, with Julia Martin from ICB around an equitable or a more equitable way of selection at 11 plus. And there's, again, lots of work being done by rethinking assessment around this kind of thing. But for us, we'd like to help develop, uh, lend advice to a skills-based assessment model at 11 plus the champions full engagement with learning that um, God reduces the impact of high stakes testing makes year five and six teaching for teachers more fun um, uh, looks at the whole child in the selection policy I think a, a broader approach to measuring ability is is really cool and we've done lots of the work in in schools already primary and prep around developing that and that's really fun and that's got huge impact going forward and I think I just I think I mean, we speak to secondary schools all the time i think the i think i think the momentum is changing i think we're going to see something soon change quite dramatically so that, that's that's my magic wand <laughs> well, I, but that's sorry that is our magic wand we, I, no, we I'm, I'm, I'm all for that i mean we could get you know much deeper into this and head up into teens and gcses and all sorts of national things where i can't see a lot of revolutionary change happening anytime soon far more likely that it's evolutionary. Whereas I think some of that 11 plus 13 plus stuff, we could see some quite big changes in the next two, three years. And that's exciting and feels real and relevant, certainly for our, for the, for the kids we're working with at that age. And then within, yeah, that's, that's more, that's obviously more geared towards independent schools. The work we're doing with state funded or maintained schools, a lot of it's around community pieces for peer mentors, training them to be, to, to be mentors and what started as a challenge to reduce exclusion or kids at risk has turned into more of an aspiration piece, developing ties between year groups. So that isn't a that isn't a, a piece of educational change, but that's a, a program that helps alleviate issues that show kids face at the moment. It was probably one of the funnest things I've ever done at Opperton was working. Um, with one of the schools in London that you work with, uh, training mentors, um, because I think the power of them then being able to go back into the communities that they're part of and, and spreading that, not only spreading the knowledge they've gained, but spreading the fact that you can become a mentor, you can become an educator, and that's something that that, that younger people in that community can, can aspire to. I, I think that's a real kind of societal change that we could see, which is uh, driven by education, which would be uh, really very, very beneficial. And now, a brief word from last week's guest, David Bell. It's great being on the Qualified Tutor podcast with Ludo last week. It really was interesting how the conversation took a turn towards mental health and just how important that is for tutors and for the young people that they work with. I really enjoyed being a guest because it had, we had a chance to talk about some of those things that don't always get discussed, and some of those things that don't always get thought about and actually raise them to the front because they are so important. And anybody thinking of going on the podcast, I would just say, go for it. It was a great opportunity to talk to somebody in the industry who really understands 
Ludo's podcasts are fantastic for that, and I would certainly recommend giving it a go. Now, just just to draw the conversation to a close, because uh, you know there's only. Uh, so much that our listeners can uh, can engage with. There's been so much that you guys have have detailed there, uh, and uh, I'm very very grateful to you both for that. Um, but on a more personal level, um, I'd love to know what's next for you guys. You know, I love this podcast not just to be about the businesses that our guests run, but also to be about them as 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 individuals. Um, so, Henry, what is what is what's next for you? What's next for Henry Faber? going to reclaim some of my life in October. <laughs> Stay an hour extra each day, uh, maybe see some friends. Um, we are, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't want to make it impersonal, but I think Walter and I are so deeply tied between our lives and work every day, which we don't see as a problem. Like We're very keen that people who come to work here can see fewer degrees of separation between their private lives and what they're doing for work. Like my big piece is to to try and see some of the work we're doing in schools like really take shape in a meaningful way. Like it's it's funny we've worked in schools for a couple of years, but eight months ago we had one person working two days a week supporting our schools wing, and it's currently now six full time people. And there's it's, it's it's a lot of like life stress because actually it's it's a whole new business. It's a startup all over again, trying to scale process around working in schools. So finding ways to problem solve that. And then, yeah, personally, probably playing a bit more sport. <laughs> Meeting up with Walter on those sports pitches like all those years ago. Exactly. It's a squash, it's a squash, it's a squash court these days. But yeah. I think it's exactly. called Stad, Stad is the full circle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where we just got into paddle, Ludo, so we're playing lots of paddle at the moment. Oh. That would be my, my vision for 2023 is to get good at paddle and to have an army of babies. <laughs> I think um, but we've got incredibly good parental leave at Offerden, so I'll take full advantage of that. And um, uh, and yeah, and and scale mentoring in schools make it a really value added thing for schools to to benefit from. Yeah, maybe it's the it's the decade of racket sports because me and my girlfriend have just got back into badminton massively, um, and I'd be I'd be very up for taking you guys on at Padel. I'm a big, big fan. Um, uh, we'll make that happen. We'll make that happen. <laughs> um, Henry, Alter, thank you so much for coming on uh, to this show. It's, um, it makes me very proud that I've been able to host uh, you two on this show. It's been 126 episodes where we've got to know the education industry very well. And you guys are a huge part of that in the UK. And I'm sure very soon beyond uh, the, the, the borders of the uh, great britain so um thank you very much for coming on i hope you enjoyed talking a little bit about what you do thank you thank you for having us that's a lovely time thank you Lydia. okay well uh next week we will be chatting to a lady called liberty king uh, about uh, social mobility and education and uh, a few lessons from the first year of the ntp Uh, so please make sure uh, that you uh, listen to that one as well but for one final time thank you very much walter and henry Thank you for listening to this episode of the Qualified Tutor Podcast. Whether you're a regular listener of this podcast or you've just stumbled across it, join the Qualified Tutor Podcast group within the Qualified Tutor community to 
stay up to date with our latest news, offers, workshops, and of course, simply to meet other tutors like you. Whatever your level as a tutor, our training courses will be the next step in your professional development. Visit qualifiedtutor.org training to find out more about our CPD accredited and Ofqual recognised courses, the first of their kind in the tutoring industry. Your student deserves the best tutor possible. Make that happen today by joining Qualified Tutor.